This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Thanks for your patience last week while we had a bit of a break. I am back and raring to go. Before we get started today, I just want to remind you that I am accepting and welcoming your emails to momandmind at gmail.com about any questions you have that you'd like me to answer on air, or if you have comments or feedback about today's episode or any of our episodes. I really love hearing from you guys, and I welcome you to send me a note. On today's episode, we are going to be talking with Alexandra Samuel Sturgis, a licensed clinical social worker. She's going to be talking with us about possible solutions to empowering Black women when it comes to health care and better birth outcomes. I'm happy to have Alex on this episode. I work with her directly here in the Inland Empire, and she is an awesome advocate and a great therapist. She is the founder of Spirited by Truth, a private practice located in Ontario, California, and she specializes in perinatal mental health and creates a safe space in her private practice for Black women to focus on their own healing. Alex is the aunt to an angel baby and sister of a postpartum depression survivor. Spirited by Truth came to fruition due to the overwhelming need to provide holistic pregnancy and postpartum mental health services catered to the needs of Black women. Alex is passionate about prenatal and postpartum education and providing culturally responsive treatment for Black women seeking mental health services. She is a Postpartum Support International Coordinator for San Bernardino County and a Black Maternal Mental Health Advocate. At Spirited by Truth, she provides education, community, and support for expecting Black mothers to assist in the fight towards healthier birth outcomes for Black women and infants. Let's hear from Alex. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to discuss this topic today. Yeah, I am too. And I appreciate you reaching out to talk about this. And you really wanted to talk about possible solutions to empower Black women when it comes to their health care and better birth outcomes. And this conversation is very needed. So wherever you'd like to start with that would be great. Okay. So just with some quick statistics, when we're talking about Black birth outcomes in the U.S., this information is becoming more mainstream and the media is finally talking about 
the black maternal health crisis that is happening within the black community. So part of that is understanding that black women are four times more likely than white women to die from childbirth. And also taking in consideration that 30% of new mothers, black mothers, as well as other mothers of color experience perinatal emotional complications like depression and anxiety. And women of color experience these complications at twice the rate of white women. And then when you're looking at overall women of color, 60% do not receive any treatment or support services for perinatal emotional complications. Mm. And these reasons are based on the lack of insurance coverage, social and cultural stigma, logistical barriers to services, and lack of culturally appropriate care. And so there are possible ways to us as providers to address some of these issues when we are coming across the care of Black mothers. Sure. Yeah. And those those numbers are really, really high. I hope that, you know, yeah. everyone who's listening is, you know, concerned because those numbers are high. That speaks to a lot of people not getting what they need, being overlooked or unheard. And yeah, that's a lot. Right. And so we can talk about the problem, but I am very solution focused when it comes to when I'm providing care to Black mothers and kind of navigating all types of systems to ensure that they get the best care possible. And that's what we're talking about today, which is I want to bring some possible solutions to the community and really encourage Black mothers to get the supportive services because it's out there. There are Black providers who are trained in the issues of anything maternal mental health as well as birth workers that are also Black that are essentially waiting to hear from Black women to come out and seek these services. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so from all the work that you've done in your perspective, what do you think are the improvements and solutions? Like what should we be addressing and what can we be doing better? Okay, so when you look at the statistics and going back to Black mothers are four times more likely to die to die from childbirth than white counterparts, it does send a scary message to Black women that the odds, once again, are being stacked against them. So it sends a message like, well, I can't even trust my healthcare provider to do what they're being paid to do. So when I work with Black women, I work to empower and encourage them in knowing that there are some things that are still within their control. So we're not talking about external forces, like who the doctor will be on delivery day or who the nurses will be, but talking about internal forces that they can't control. And so talking about what those things are that are within the power and control of Black women. So one of those things is addressing healthy ways to manage chronic stress and get assistance with challenges faced by Black women who are within the Black community. And so part of that chronic stress through research has been identified as racism being a huge factor in the chronic stress that are experienced by not only low-income Black mothers, but as well as whatever you define as successful, you know, high-income Black women who are giving birth. So racism is an issue across the board socioeconomically. 
And so working with Black women to address these chronic stress issues, another chronic stress issue is the poverty and the marginalization that happens within the Black community. So I advocate for the importance of Black women to come into treatment without it being taboo or seen negatively to address chronic stress issues that relate to racism and a whole spew of things that not only impact the Black community, but other communities of color. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm curious. I guess, how do you make it or like do outreach in a way that feels okay and makes it you know, accessible for people where they think like, oh, I can go and get help for this. I will say the amazing thing about the Black community is just the welcoming other Black people. And so how I do my outreach is I target specifically Black organizations and Black businesses. Even if I'm out on the street, that's the type of outreach I'm doing. I'm like hitting people up. Black women who are pregnant or have children and providing them my information. And even though it may be a stigma in the community, what I've received back from a lot of Black women in particular is they're happy to see me because they didn't know that there is someone out there that is doing this work and not even knowing where to look or even feeling empowered enough to be like, when they're calling their insurance company and they're asking for a mental health clinician saying, I specifically want a listing of black providers Mm -hmm. because somehow in our culture, sometimes we feel like if we ask specifically for, do you have a black OB? Do you have a black therapist that can work with me? It's kind of, you know, like in a sense seen as like reverse racism or It's not seen as something that is positive, but it is available. I tell my clients it's no different than if you had a language barrier and you specifically wanted to speak with someone who spoke your language. Or if you had a specific, you know, if you have a specific religious preference that, oh, well, I'm Jewish. I want to speak to someone who has the same ethnic cultural background as me. And so we have to get back to requesting these things because these providers are available within the healthcare system. It's just a matter of asking for them. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. 
Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. And being empowered and not feeling, oh, Am I going against the grain by saying, you know what, if you have a black OB, if you have a black nurse that I can work with when I'm coming in for whatever testing or whatever, is that person available during my appointment or when will they be available? And I will go ahead and set my appointment for that day and that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Thank you so, for that. Yeah. So getting back to that, which is when black women see that there are mental health providers that look like them. It, in a sense, takes away a lot of the stigma because if you're a counselor and you're black, then that means my issue is real because you're here to address this specific issue with me. And it affirms to black women in a positive way when they see providers who look like them and are able to comfortably address issues in relation to chronic stress and learning healthy coping skills in order to reduce those stressors. So if you are a provider who is not black or does not identify black and you have a client and they're coming to you with these issues of racism or discrimination, a lot of providers who are not black feel uncomfortable or feel that is not an area where they should be addressing certain things. And quite frankly, depending on who you are as a clinician and your cultural humility it might be taken the wrong way by that black woman who is sitting in front of you. And so it's about getting the message out that there are plenty of black providers out here that are willing and able to address these specific issues within our community. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So part of that is outreach, making information available, making resources Mm -hmm. available, being public and just in terms of as a provider, making sure that people can find you and being vocal about your services rather. Yeah, my services or I know other black birth workers or black providers, I make their services available as well because Mm -hmm. I'm one person. So Mm -hmm. I can't see like the world of black women. But if you're in my area and I cannot see you and you're a black woman seeking services, I am going to ensure that I match you with someone who can, who has the availability to see you and provide you with the care and the support that you need in a safe, what I call a safe black space Mm -hmm. to talk about those really tough issues with someone who looks like you and understands what is happening 
in the day-to-day, you know, marginalization of Black people in this country. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as a non-Black provider, then I should also have Black therapists to refer to. Oh, when- absolutely. Like, and it's not to say that if you're a non-Black provider that a Black person cannot connect with you because, sure. hey, you might have rapport with them. You might know them through a stream of different services. But if they're requesting it, and right. if it's something that's important to them, then yeah, I think that across the nation, if you are a provider doing this type of work and you're coming across Black women, I would even say boldly to even ask what their preference is. Mm-hmm. It's just a question because they could say, no, I'm fine. Or you can say, well, I'm just asking what your preferences are because we do have providers of color who can provide you the support and care. We just want to make sure that you feel okay with the services that you're receiving. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, how we can do our part as providers. And definitely if you, I know I have a list of all types of providers from different ethnic groups and even different languages, just so that if someone comes across me, I can be like, Hey, you want a Spanish speaking therapist for your family member? That is awesome. Here are a list of names of providers who speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's so, so important. It's very important. And so another issue with birth outcomes when it comes to the Black community is really looking at ways to learn how to eat healthier and looking at exercise in order to better the health of not only the mother, but the child during the birthing experience. And so the Black community has a lot of misinformation surrounding around diet and exercise when a woman is pregnant. Mm, okay. So, yeah, so many Black women do not know what a healthy pregnancy diet is. And it's funny because I had a conversation with uh, OB, and even though OB say, okay, Make sure you're eating healthy, you're pregnant. We want to make sure you maintain a healthy diet. Well, newsflash, a lot of people don't know what a healthy diet is. Mm. You know, for some people, a healthy diet could be pulling up to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Because in their mind, it's like, well, I'm eating. So Uh this is what I can afford to eat. And so I'm eating and this is a healthy diet for me. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working with black women, I define what a healthy pregnancy diet looks like because a lot of them don't know what that is. So this is like the pulling in kind of the holistic support um, of their healthcare in general and also potentially better birth outcomes with better nutrition. Better nutrition. So going back to being misinformed about what a healthy pregnancy diet is, I understand the love of our cultural food it's absolutely delicious, but it's not the healthiest. So even working with Black mothers and sharing ways to still cook some of these healthier cultural foods, but cooking them healthier. Mm. And so I wouldn't expect someone who is not from our culture to be able to be like, okay, well, you enjoy collard greens. Here's a healthier way to do it without all the sodium so that you can avoid gestational hypertension, right? So it's looking at different ways. And I can only speak for California. So even mothers 
the low-income Black mothers that I do work with who are part of the SNAP program in California, the SNAP card can be used at farmer markets. They can be used at health food stores like Sprouts or Trader Joe's and even bulk item or warehouse type stores like Mm -hmm. Costco or Sam's Club. So even if you are one who is accessing food assistance through the government, you're still able to look at what healthier foods and having access to healthier foods. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a belief in the Black community that when you're pregnant, the least activity is the best. Like, you probably should just sit down, don't do too much. But we know that with your physician's approval and having that discussion with your physician, exercise is actually helpful for the mother and the baby during gestation. So we want to make sure that we're providing this information to black mothers because a lot of them are like, no, my grandmother said that, you know, I shouldn't be doing too much. I shouldn't be exercising. But taking care of the physical health during pregnancy can help with decreasing the possibilities of gestational diabetes and gestational hypertension, which has very high numbers in the Black community when it comes to pregnant women. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like you were saying before, a lot of what you're describing is really how to help the moms empower themselves with the control that they do have you know, in the context of the statistics that you cited before. I mean, those statistics are all very real and absolutely mm-hmm. don't take a little bit longer to address just systemically. Yeah. These are things that people yeah. can do, that Black moms can do now, is get mental health support, get find ways to support their nutrition and their physical activity. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, just like you stated, is, Just overall women learning assertion, but Mm -hmm. in the case of looking at these numbers that are problematic when it comes to Black birth outcomes, I work a lot with Black moms and teaching them how to be assertive and becoming their own advocate. Mm -hmm. So truly empowering autonomy in Black birth. So not only with mental health services and being empowered in their nutrition, but also providing Black mothers with education on other birthing options. Mm -hmm. A lot of Black women feel like, well, hospital is the way. And Mm -hmm. home birth or birth centers are seen as white women luxuries. Like, we can't do that. That's, you know, hippie-ish. That's Mm -hmm. for white women. They can do that. But defining what each one of those options are and providing sort of like a spread, like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is what home births look like. Mm -hmm. This is what is provided at a birth center. And this is what's provided within your hospital. And so also a good way for exploring these options is if you do have health insurance, then you can always contact your health insurance provider and see what benefits are provided for the birthing process. And so I always like to share a story about my niece who married and was excited about her first pregnancy. And once they found out that they were pregnant, went into traditional healthcare system and met with a doctor 
And it was a very cold experience for her. The, the doctor was not willing to answer questions nor provide any type of information and was very rushed. Mm-hmm. And right. during that first process, you know, they try to ask questions about, you know, your family health history. And right after she provided this health information, a nurse comes in and was like, well, we need to test you for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And this being her first baby, mm-hmm. of course, every mother wants to be like, oh, what? This is going on? Okay, sure. Do the test. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the test was unnecessary. And so after she had that experience, her and her husband sat down and was like, well, there has to be another way. Mm -hmm. And so they began with contacting their insurance company and really asking questions about, okay, what do you provide? Are there other options that you can provide? And so through that experience, she was able to contact birthing centers within her community and teamed up with a very good team of doulas and midwives to assist her during the birthing process and gave birth to a very, very healthy baby. But just, she had to do the research. She had to feel empowered enough. And of course, her being Mm -hmm. my niece, I'm like, look, you need to look (laughs) into your options. Like, if that was I know you. (laughs) I know you were helping her with that for sure. I'm just like, no, 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 no. These type of experiences mm-hmm. are unacceptable when it comes to healthcare provider. And so if I am a provider and we have a board that we have to answer to, then so the same standards should be held for physicians. And so when you're coming across this, you know, cold, unprofessional, mm-hmm. oh, we're just going to run tests for the sake of billing you, mm-hmm. then these things need to be addressed. And through her birthing process, she was able to get the nutrition support through this birthing center. And actually, she found out that it was cheaper cost-wise to have her baby in a birthing center than it was if she would have went through the, quote, traditional route mm-hmm. of going into a hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not an assumption. Usually, right, people think it's extravagant and expensive Right. until you get that bill. Right, until you get that bill. And she actually saved uh, over $1,000 by just going to the birthing center and had an amazing experience. Hmm. But it just started off with asking a question, contacting that number on the back of your insurance card Mm -hmm. and just saying, what are my benefits? And I know in the state of California, there's money that's coming down the pipeline especially in regards to Medi-Cal and they're looking at it and they're surveying the counties within California to provide doula services, especially women of color doula services for the Medi-Cal population within California, which I think is awesome. Yeah. You know, the more options these women of color have, the better I believe the birth outcomes because I would never want There's so many moms and probably have heard the same thing in the work that you do. And they'll say something about their doctor. And then you're like, oh, no, that's not right. Mm, Is there an option of like every day of the week? (laughs) It's like, well, do I need to call them or Mm -hmm. do you want to change your provider? And it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to go through the process of trying to find another provider. Right. But I think for black women, 
it's really a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. It truly is. And being able to be like, you know what, this is not acceptable. And I also encourage doing research on your local hospitals before you decide. If you're going to say, okay, I feel more comfortable in a hospital birth. Fine. Right. However, please do research on your local hospital. And I know the, the options might be slimmer for Black women who are, let's say, living in rural areas where let's say they just have the one hospital, mm-hmm. but then really looking at the other options of home birth, doula service, midwifery, um, birthing centers as right. another option. There's a great website that I came across. It's called Leakfrog Group Organization. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but what they do is they sort of canvas the hospitals across the United States and they provide a rating. So they provide different categories but maternity is one of the categories that they look at mm-hmm. and it okay. will provide a mortality rating through their website for that specific hospital. Can you spell that out? What is that resource again? You can go to the website. It's www.leapfroggroup.org. So www.leapfroggroup.org. Okay. So that's a great resource that I send to to moms to check out local hospitals and what those ratings are, because these hospitals are accountable for these mortality rates that they're experiencing in the hospital. And this is public information. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a great resource and a really, really great idea just to be looking. I mean, I think a lot of people don't think that they have options or, right? I mean, just the education about you have an option is mind-blowing and like, you know, potentially life-saving for quite a few people. Right. And I would say for people who are apprehensive about home births or birth centers, and there's this fear of like, well, what if something goes wrong? The people who are doing this work, they have an understanding that sometimes things go wrong. And so they're working with them to definitely ensuring that a plan is put in place to kind of put that ease, that level of ease for the family will be done. You know, it's not that, oh, well, you know, if you're hemorrhaging, we're just going to let you hemorrhage here and, you know, we'll we'll do our best. No, there's usually (laughs) a plan in place to get you to the nearest hospital to get whatever intervention that is needed to get you back to your healthy self. And so right. I just want to put that out there that that's available. Right. And so like swinging to the other end of the pendulum after a baby is born, we also know that the infant mortality rate is very high in the black community and most black babies do not make it to see their first birthday. And the research shows that a lot of times this is because of misinformation and lack of education with sudden infant death syndrome. And so when it comes to training on safe care, once bringing baby home, that's very important as well when working with black moms. Mm -hmm. Like any mom just in general is like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have this baby. Now what? You know, like sure, yeah, we yeah. have to take this, we have to take this baby home. But okay. because the black community is such a matriarchal culture, we value 
the wisdom of our grandmothers and our mothers and our aunties and what have you. The problem is a lot of the information that our family members have is really outdated. And so certain things like, you know, you have a crib and you invested all this money into this wonderful, great crib and you have pillows and blankets and, Oh, grandma gave them a stuffed animal or gave the baby, you know, whatever made a blanket. These things are essentially death weapons for black babies. There's having a, extra there's stuff a, in the crib. Having extra stuff in the crib and not knowing that that's wrong. Mm. Thinking that because, you know, an elder in our family told us this is the way to do it, that that's how it's done and that it's safe. Or putting a baby in the bed. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I'm in the bed. Let me put the baby in the bed. And the bed has multiple blankets and multiple pillows. And suffocation is possible when you're doing sort of these old school methods, like not joke, but I make it known, like I am really surprised that even looking at my own family and sort of the traditional ways of caring for a baby with coming home is I'm surprised we're alive because putting a baby in a bed was something normal. Putting a baby in a crib with, you know, grandma's blanket that she made, that's normal. Putting a baby face down on a pillow and rocking them to sleep. Those were normalities. Mm-hmm. And I speak to a lot of black women that that's normalities. Even cigarette smoke around a baby, which we know can cause death. Mm-hmm. That's a normality. Like these are not things that are necessarily discussed in regards to safe care for once the baby comes home. Mm-hmm. We know that SIDS being a number one cause for infant deaths in black homes is huge and we need to provide more education in regards to safe handling of black babies. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, giving information, giving like current updated information, Mm -hmm. like how to do things in a way that's safe for yourself and your child is a lot. Right. There's a lot of power in information, just having, having that and kind of. Yeah. And addressing, you know, addressing mom and grandma or whoever that influential black woman who is in your life, who's providing this information, being in a space to feel empowered to say, I get it. And that's how you did it. But I have this information and I want to ensure that my baby is safe. Mm -hmm. And so this is how we're going to do it. And not feeling like, oh, because this is what's been done traditionally. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Right. So that's a lot of empowering and helping people to find ways to have those tough discussions. Sometimes those discussions are are not easy to have. No, no, it's not. And sometimes... If they want, they can bring their mom or whoever that influential person is so that there can be education across the board. Mm -hmm. And it has been successful when it comes from a provider who looks like them, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with elderly, the elders within the family and how they have done things for many, many years Mm -hmm. and understanding that although it was done, there are better options. Because, of course, we all want the baby that comes home to survive and have and celebrate that first birthday. And so we need to work towards decreasing the number of SIDS deaths within the Black community, Mm -hmm. which is huge. Yeah. 
Great. Are there other things that you're helping moms understand to help empower them in their process? Sure. Like, lastly, I would like to say for Black mothers is asking for support and learning self-compassion as a Black woman, which is not something that is openly discussed about being passionate about ourselves. So when I look at you know, the umbrella of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders versus the superwoman syndrome and that black women experience feeling like they have to be everything for everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. Education is needed in the black community on recognizing the signs of postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. So we as a people in the black community need to know the information in order to identify what is deemed, quote, normal, Mm -hmm. and when you need to ask for help. And so a Black woman's strength and ability to move forward and sort of get the job done is a considerable asset. However, the, the superwoman syndrome or the strong Black woman syndrome can also be detrimental where it prevents us from seeking and asking for help so that We are achieving or doing our part within our control to make sure that we have better birth outcomes. So that is why it is important to have culturally responsive prenatal and postpartum services Mm -hmm. for Black women to address these barriers of seeking help because there are huge barriers for just people in general when it comes to mental health to seek help, but especially when it comes to having those culturally responsive services for Black women. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Yeah, absolutely. And so some of the work that you are doing is to kind of, well, speak directly to all of this 
and really, I mean, there's no, your style, which I so appreciate is really like compassionate and direct. And like, this is something we got to take a look at. And so you're doing something about that, right? You're right. So I'm providing two different services because I believe options are great. So the first one, which we are currently accepting inquiries on our website is we call it the Spirited Mama Tribe. And we are really trying to target the importance of circle of support for Black mothers. So in this sacred space for Black mothers to talk about barriers that they are facing, such as racism, sexism, you know, stress, Mm -hmm. intimate partner violence, parenting challenges, finding adequate housing, dealing with trauma and loss experience and kind of doing a lot of mending and healing in the motherhood experience, Mm -hmm. as well as addressing fears throughout pregnancy and during childbirth, because fear is a huge thing. Of course, if you haven't had a child, you don't know what to expect. And yes, there's books, but sometimes life doesn't go as a book. So Mm -hmm. um, really processing and addressing these issues in a safe Black space and also developing sisterhood and community and having support outside of, let's say, a clinical treatment space Mm -hmm. to be able to have someone to call and talk to about specific issues in relation to Black motherhood. So that's therapeutic and educational group that we will be launching. We do have a list, and so that will be coming in the springtime. As well as we worked really hard in creating a five series workshop um, that will also be launched in the springtime in May, representing different subjects. So if you're a Black mother, you can choose to do all five series, or you can just choose the one that is most important to you. So the different series will address racial and implicit bias in the healthcare system Mm -hmm. and how to navigate and be prepared. Preparation is very important through the, you know, birthing process. And so we want to provide Black women with questions to ask when they're going into the doctor. And honestly, how to practice saying no Mm -hmm. and how to practice standing firm and saying, you know what, let me do more research on all these tests that you want to do on me. And then I will come back and make an informed decision and not feel pressured that, if I don't do this test today, my baby might die tomorrow right. or whatever the fear is of feeling pressure by that healthcare provider to have specific testing that is done and that they're not explaining. Oh, wow. They're just yeah. like, here, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. just going to do this test and we're not going to explain it. So it's that. Another part of the series is we're definitely going to dive into pregnancy, nutrition and wellness and looking at what a healthy diet looks like breaking that down. What should you be eating? And what are some things that you should be avoiding and different activities that are physical activities that are appropriate during pregnancy? And of course, we always say, make sure you talk, you know, with your physician about this and make sure that it's something that you, based on your overall health, are capable of doing. Sure. Uh, There will be a whole series on SIDS training, like full hands-on. Mm -hmm. I can provide you a paper with information, but we need to practice these things. And so we want to make sure that we have time to practice 
it's training and safe care and handling of babies. And that will also include infant CPR training. Oh, awesome. So, so we so want to cool. make sure, yeah, we want to make sure that black mothers are prepared. Like if let's say hypothetically, and we don't want to see this happen anymore, which is your baby does start, stop breathing for whatever reason. We want to make sure that mothers are empowered to do this infant CPR training until medical professionals are able to step in and yeah. not feel helpless, like to be able to read a pulse because sometimes the baby is breathing, but parents don't know how to check the pulse of a baby because it's very different than checking the pulse of an adult person. Yeah. And so being empowered to do those things, the other part of the series will include birth alternatives. So being able to have a space to interview doulas and midwives and what those services look like and what a home birth experience is. So awesome. sort of like a Q&A, I've come across some wonderful Black doulas and birth workers in our area in the Inland Empire in California. Mm-hmm. And they have graciously said, sure, I will come and I will answer whatever questions so that it takes away the disbelief or the fear or this is only for, you know, rich people or this is only right. for white women right. to have people who look like you who are doing the work that's saying, hey, we work with black women. So come on in so we can help you. Right. And then lastly, truly understanding preeclampsia and gestational diabetes and hypertension along with stress management. So we know that the numbers for preeclampsia in the black community is extremely high, as well as gestational diabetes and hypertension. Mm-hmm. So really, truly on a medical sense, having a physician pal of mine come in to discuss what does this mean in right. human terms? Right. You know, like basic language. <laughs> well, what are we talking about here? Right. What are we talking about here? Because to just say, oh, well, you have gestational diabetes. Well, what does that mean? Yes. Like, okay, I have hypertension. Well, what does that mean? Right. There are interventions that can help with, you know, the diabetes and the hypertension. It's only through education and putting it in a language that can be understood. Right is the only way you're going to see change. And so we definitely want to address stress management mm-hmm. in regards to the chronic stress. And of course, the hypertension and the chronic stress kind of are working hand in hand. And so we need to kind of alleviate those pressures and learning how to set boundaries and how to, you know, say no and things like and being assertive in those ways. So we're really excited about rolling out this, these workshops and the information will be available on the site. If you want updates, of course, it will be on yeah. uh, the social media platforms as well as our, our website. So that's I, I what just, we're doing. I love that. I love the work that you're doing. And I mean, it's such a comprehensive and in-depth way to give people the information that they need. I mean, just the whole, you know, like, let's break this down into just like, language that everybody understands as opposed to all this like medical and you know all this other stuff I mean speaking of like making things accessible how you talk about things is part of that and it's just really really awesome to see this roll out and I think it'll be such a huge benefit to black mothers 
I'm excited about it. I hope that Black mothers will engage. We hope to have a good enough outcome physically in the workshop so that we can create this to be accessible as an online program that Black mothers can have access to within their homes if they are in rural areas and are not able to get this information. We want to see it to be successful. We want to see better birth outcomes. A lot of this is education, bringing knowledge to the community, bringing hope to the community. Because when you look at those numbers, those numbers are not hopeful numbers. Those numbers are very discouraging and they're very scary. And I want to be a part of the process to say it can be a healthy experience to give birth to your Black child. It doesn't have to be a scary, fearful, discouraging experience. It should be a very loving, positive experience. And that is what we're bringing to the table. I thank you so much for coming on and talking about this today and offering this resource and just all the amazing work that you're doing out there. Oh, thank you. And so without me educating myself and experiencing my own familial life experiences, one being that I do have a sister who is a survivor of postpartum depression and another sister who experienced perinatal loss and there was no follow-up care and not knowing what to do in them in those particular circumstances empowered me to be like, there has to be a way. Like to see that type of suffering and not know where to go is unacceptable. And so I want to be a solution for Black women who are having those type of life experiences. And so that's the passion behind the work. Yeah, it's evident. I can hear it and I can feel it. And I thank you for doing what you do. Well, hey, if I don't do it, who will? (laughs) That's awesome. Right. I got to do it for the culture, you know? And can I give a quick shout out to the hard work that's being done in California and providing monies towards these efforts and also shouting out to the Black Infant Health Program that is a program that's available in the state of California. If you go to the website, public, the California Department of Public Health, so it's www.cdph.ca.gov, you can find a local Black Infant Health Program. There is no socioeconomic requirement for that program. All you need to do is be able to identify as African-American woman, 18 years or older, and is currently 30 weeks or less pregnant. So this is also another community resource for Black women to connect and have a community of support of other women and get information on what to expect during pregnancy and how to nurture and bond with your baby infant care tips and feeding tips and how to manage and reduce stress. So that is also a community resource that is available here for Black women in the state of California. Awesome. Thank you for that, Alex. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. And I will absolutely include all of the links where people can find you so that they can come in and keep track of the amazing work you're doing and get information as soon as it's available. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that Alex could come on and share all of her wisdom and resources for Black moms and advocating for healthier birth outcomes. 
If you'd like to get connected with Alex, you can find her through Spirited by Truth on her website, Facebook, and Instagram. And for all of the resources that she mentioned, you can check out our show notes to find those links. If you're a new listener, please pop over to momandmind.com, find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or links to the many, many places you can listen to the Mom and Mind podcast. Mom and Mind is also part of the Parents on Demand network, where you can find loads of early parenting podcasts. I look forward to hearing from you all. Thanks for being here. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.